Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, July 2nd. You know the deal by now. Wimbledon underways, day one in the books. What a round of tennis we saw. I'm not even going to do any of the previews. You know the plugs by now, the website, the podcast, what you're listening to. But I need to bring my guest in right away because there is seriously too much tennis to talk about today. You know his work as a writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You may know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, the regular co-host of our Wednesday Mini Break podcast, Matt the Cracked Stokowiak. Matty, welcome back to the Mini Break. But right off the bat, what a day one, right? Gruskin. What the hell was that, man? I mean, I, dude, that that was a ridiculous day of tennis, and it was day one. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it, man. I mean, I'm I'm exhausted right now. Like, I, I'm I'm trying to recover from from what just happened. To wake up and so to set some perspective for our listeners, Wimbledon, it really, I mean, the French Open, I suppose, what, it's maybe an hour difference in terms of the time between London and France. But, you know, once you're in the summer portion swing of the slam season, Wimbledon really does feel like the first tournament where, you know, you'll wake up in the morning and then all day long, you're going to have Wimbledon on your TV screen. Now, that may also be a product of the fact that ESPN has the rights to Wimbledon and, you know, they're using their time to promote it during the day on ESPN. ESPN2, you always have a reliable stream online if you have ESPN3 access or they always give out free trials right around now. So you can sneak in a free week, uh, free trial for this first week of Wimbledon. But to wake up and have you know, three next-gen favorites, and it's more than even three. I would argue that we had six next-gen players, significant seeds lose today. That's just not how you start your average tournament. No, not at all. I mean, again, I, I said it before, it's it's day one. Look, we always expect some upsets, right? I mean, we know they're going to happen, but it's just boom, boom. I mean, when top 10 seeds are going down on the first day on both the men's and women's side, it's like, whoa, okay. Like, this this is the kind of tournament we're about to have here for the next two weeks. So, I mean, if, if that was any kind of preview of what's to come over the next couple of weeks, man, I mean, it's going to be nuts. I mean, it's really unbelievable. And I guess you're looking at this day long, and yeah, it's just like, where do we even start with the storylines before we get into any individual matches? If you're looking big picture, uh, I guess, the, I, just real quick, Matt, actually, let's start here. Let's look big picture from the day, even before you get to any of the matches. I mean, I know the headline losses being Osaka, Zverev, Tsitsipas, uh, there, there are some other ones as well. You know, French Open finalist Vondrasova loses first round. Uh, she's the number 16 here. Sabalenka, the 10 seed, loses first round. But I I just, I felt like coming into this tournament, all of the folk, you know, I, I think uh, fatigue, at least on the ATP side, with Federer, Djokovic, Nadal winning all the titles. I, I, I'm not saying people are rooting against them, but I think everyone now is on the search for that next ATP tennis star. And I just think people were so taken aback by the fact that right, you know, right away, we lose our two best next-gen chances. And I just feel like the ups and downs of the young players all day long, that was the biggest takeaway from day one is there's so much young talent. Some of them know what they're doing. Some of them still have some things to really figure out. And it's just overwhelming. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, the the next-gen or, you know, whatever we want to call it, the, the young guns, I mean, that was the story of the day, man, both good and bad. We saw some great results. We saw some really poor results. And, and, you know, we'll get into it more, but 
I was super stoked about some of it and I was super disappointed, you know, with, with some of the other results. So, I mean, overall, I guess that's what's going to happen, but you know, tomorrow and as we get into it, we're still going to have the, the veterans, the older guys play. We didn't see Federer today. We didn't see Nadal, um, you know, so of course we'll see how those guys look, but yeah, today, man, it, it was about the young guys for sure. And girls. Well, let- Last thing before uh, young men and women, young gentlemen and ladies, as they would say at Wimbledon. But even before that, I guess the reason why I just found it so striking that this is the takeaway is coming into this event, it was all about this, you know, one of the big, uh, dare I say, bullshit uh, talking points coming into uh, day number one was, oh, you know, Rafa's complaining about the seeding and the seeding formulas at Wimbledon are funky and the draws, therefore, are a little bit different. And there's just all this controversy. Who's playing who? Oh, the Zverev quarter is wide open. How do you get such a lucky draw? And then it's like, look, you're projecting seeds. And right off the bat for Djokovic, in terms of the top seeds he was supposed to face, well, you know, Tsitsipas now out. I think his 16 seed was Monfils now out. Uh, you have Alex Zverev, the four seed, now out. So if you're going strictly by seedings, you know, it looks like from here on in, Novak Djokovic is going to cruise. And I just think, you know, once again, what day one reminds us is you shouldn't give a shit seating. It really, in the end, becomes irrelevant because of the way this three out of five set format, how physical every match uh, becomes, how just mentally difficult it is to close out a third or a third or a fifth set. It's just... You know, it it's all chaos, right? The the parody, I guess, really sh- really shine through today as well. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I, I just feel like, I mean, going back to the seating thing, it, where where it is important is if you don't want to draw one of the, the one of those top guys um, or girls in the first round. You know, I mean, if you don't want to draw a Federer in the first round, then then you got to be seated because if you're not. There's a chance that you may get one of those, you know, on the women's side, you know, you could draw, you know, a, a Ash Barty in the first round if you're not a seed. So, I mean, to me, that's where being seeded is important just to stay away at least in the first round or two from those top, top players. But, you know, again, even if you are seated, we saw it today. It doesn't really matter because there's so many good players that are not seated that have the ability to pull off upsets. So, you know, it goes both ways. I mean, is being seated good? Yeah, I I think you'd rather be seated than not. But if you're not, you know, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you're still going to have a great chance to win, like you said, in this three out of five format. Absolutely. And in the two out of the three format for the women, because as we mentioned, we talked about parity with the men, the parity for the women have been evident. I think I've read a stat. It's like what, 30 or it's like 36 or 37 different or different slots have filled out the last, uh, I think it's 10 Grand Slam semifinal spots out of the 40. It's like 30 over 30 of them have been different. Uh, That just speaks to, again, how how easy it is for or how difficult it is, I suppose, to defend your ranking over that two-week span. And you talk about opportunities for unseeded players. I think that gets us right into our first match, the upset I want to start with. <clears throat> Number two seed, Naomi Osaka, who has not had a good year since her Australian Open title. Uh, you just look at some of her results along the way, especially you know at the French Open. She loses third round to Sinyakova, uh, 4-2, and two, a disappointing loss for her after she had beaten Azarenka in the second round. Then in Birmingham, she beats Sakari in three sets first round, but goes out 2-3 and three to Yelena Putin-Seva, who she ends up drawing in the first round of this Wimbledon event, 
for our listeners who don't know, Putin Seva, the, I believe, 23-year-old uh, out of Russia, currently ranked number 39 in the WTA rankings, a career high of number 27. But because she goes unseated in this event, she ends up a floater, draws number two seed Naomi Osaka first round. And look, I thought Putin Seva in this one played about as well as you can hope to play against someone with the firepower of Naomi Osaka. She crafts, she claws, she fights her way throughout uh, just an incredibly intense first set and ends up knocking off the number two seed Osaka, 7-6-6-2. I guess I want to start with this question, Matt, and I, I'm not trying to say this to be disrespectful to Naomi, who obviously we know what she is capable of, and she's still so young, so early in her professional career. But would you characterize it as Putin Seva won this match or as Osaka gave it away? Well, yeah, that's I mean, that really is the question we need to talk about. I, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. I mean, Osaka just she did she did not play a smart match. I mean, she she made way too many unforced errors. She didn't play intelligently, and it, it that's that's why we got the result that we did. Putin Seva played a very smart match. I mean, she cut down on her unforced errors. She was smart. She was scrapping. She was putting the ball in the court and, and she kind of let Osaka go off the rails. So, you know, I, I think there's a big credit to Putin Seva for, for putting on the performance that she did. I mean, I don't think that's a fluke. She played well. She knew what her game plan was and she executed it and it worked. But on the other hand, I mean, it's about Osaka as well, right? We're talking about a multi-Grand Slam winner. And she just, she didn't play up to par. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, I I, I really can't give her a pass. I mean, she did not play well at Roland Garros. I was disappointed in, in the way that she played there. You mentioned the early exit. Uh, you know, and now she comes to Wimbledon. And again, I mean, a, a first-round match that she really should win. But not today. I mean, she didn't deserve it, and this is what happens. So, You used the term fluke. I, I think it's impossible to call it a fluke given the fact that Putin Seva beat her earlier in the year on grass in Birmingham. What was that, you know, two, three weeks ago? So definitely not, you know, definitely not something you expect, uh, but definitely something I think a lot of people who, are, who follow tennis closely uh, could see this upset coming. But you mentioned... Osaka didn't play a smart match. I don't know if that's fair, with all due respect, Matt. I would say, to your point about Putin Seva, she, as you mentioned, she played a brilliant match. And you watch this in the first set. Osaka gets the early break, I believe, went up 3-2, held for 4-2. And then just Putin Seva made a choice at that point. She said, you know what? I'm making every extra ball. You know, I'm tracking it down. I'm Whenever I'm on the defensive, I am throwing elevated, high topspin garbage to the Osaka backhand side just to buy myself time. When I'm stretched out wide on my backhand, I'm going to throw her short slices, throw her dirt, you know, try and draw her forward, uh, hit, you know, again, just slimy grass tennis balls that'll slice on, you know, before that service line and just die and force Osaka to be in uncomfortable positions on the court. And I think the thing that I was most disappointed with on Osaka is just her footwork today was so sloppy. You could tell she was so uncomfortable moving forward um, because, you know, Putin Seva gave her so many chances to be the aggressor. I feel like Osaka was standing on the service line hitting second serve return. And that's where a lot of unforced error came. She was really forcing the ball because, as I mentioned, Putin Seva really made that choice to just uh, play defense, force Osaka to be the aggressor. And I guess, again, beyond the—it was 
to me, it was, again, that she wasn't comfortable moving forward. And, you know, she goes 13 of 20 at the net in this match. And that I think that stat is misleading because there were so many times you think, okay, Naomi, is this the ball you're moving forward on? Is this the one you're going to come in behind? But she just didn't seem to have any confidence moving in behind that backhand. She would, you know, get to that service line, junk ball, and hit a slice back. And that's exactly what Putin Seva wants. She wants you to give her extra time, allow her to hit that one extra shot. And in the end, that was enough for her to scrap by what was a very close straight set match. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. You're definitely not wrong there. And here's the last thing I'll say, you know, about this. And for me, Osaka just, she has to take a deep breath at, at points mm-hmm. and, and just chill out, relax, and try to just focus on what's ahead. And to me, her I, she just lets her unforced errors snowball way too much. That's, I see that. And she lets a couple of points affect her. And then all of a sudden we see error after error, after error, after error. And, and that's, that's her problem. I mean, we saw that at the French, we see that, you know, here at Wimbledon to me, I think she's just got to calm down when, when things get a little tough, you know, she doesn't play some good points, just take a deep breath, go towel off, collect yourself and then refocus on the task at hand. I think she's had a tough time doing that the last couple of months and that's why she's had a couple early exits. I mean, the talent's obviously there, the shot making, she has all that, but I think mentally she's got to regain that confidence and just, like I said, in the middle of a match, find a way to relax and focus on what's ahead. That's what I think she needs to do. You could tell how frustrated she was given that in the post-match press conference, she asked if they could end early because she was just so upset with her performance. And I apologize, I don't remember who did the commentating, but to echo your point, I completely agree with. When Naomi Osaka finds herself in trouble, she doesn't slow down. She thinks she, she, you know, she wants to hit her way out of every problem. And look, when you hit, uh, what is it? I think she makes 73% of her first serves, wins 63% of those points, 34 winners on the day, 13 of 20 at the net. You're a two-time Grand Slam champion. I get where that confidence comes from, but for her, you know, there's just it doesn't seem like there's a plan B right now. As that's kind of uh, my takeaway from that. You know, seven of eighteen on second serves. When she gets put on the defensive, she will try and slap her way out of trouble. Yes, I thought. And I just, it, that's just not going to work on, you know, at, on a hard court, it's, it's very different because it's just a lot harder to make someone uncomfortable movement wise because you have the solidity of concrete underneath you, but on grass, because it's so easy to miss foot Osaka, it just, you know, all she wants to do is power, power, power. And she needs to just find that second gear moving forward. Yeah. Completely agree. I mean, she yeah. she's young. She has all the talent to turn it around. I mean, and look, she won the Australian Open. So this year has not been a complete failure by any means. I mean, anytime not, she was number one in the world. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, we're we're you know we're going a little hard here. But hey, I mean, when you're when you're a top player in the world and a big time seed at a major, you know, when you lose in the first round, that's that's what's going to happen. So it is yeah. what it is. Absolutely. And then real quick, two things on Putin Seva, or just one, I guess two points on her, you know, again, the variety she showed, we kind of mentioned that backhand slice, her willingness to go high loopy ball to the forehand down the line, her ability to change directions on Osaka, keep her uncomfortable and her ability to, you know, excel movement wise on this surface. Now that she's gotten, you know, the two seat out of the way, this draw opens up quite nicely for her. So it'd be fascinating to see what the young Putin Seva can do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always difficult. I always say this, it's tough when you when you get a big win like that, 
that next match is super difficult. I mean, it's always tough to back up a big-time victory over a top seed. So we'll see. I mean, she can do it, but it won't be easy. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, speaking of not easy, something for me incredibly difficult to see was our next match because you know uh, we've litigated this debate too many times between the two of us, Matt. Of Alexander Zverev, uh, I believe he was the number six seed in this tournament. We've talked about his potential. You know, like everyone knows the story on Zverev, multiple-time Masters champion. He wins the 2018 year-end championships comes into 2019 and really struggles through the first half of the year. Seemed to have found some momentum come French Open time. He makes the quarterfinals, gets his first win over a top 10 player at the at a slam. Uh, but then you look at just his build-up to this event. Uh, obviously, in terms of the grass, he goes to Stuttgart, loses first round to Dustin Brown, goes to Halle, loses in the quarterfinals in three sets to David Goffin. Then he finds himself here in a matchup against Yuri Vesely, who we should say, for our listeners who don't know who Yuri Vesely is, he is a former World Junior number 1. He has had success at Wimbledon before. I believe last year, in fact, he made the fourth round of this event, and he had made the fourth round previously in 2016. So it wasn't as though we didn't know Yuri Vesely, who for you who don't know, again, 6'6", tall, lefty, big serve. This surface is built for him. It's not as though he couldn't have success, but for Alex Zverev to go out and lose in the fashion he does, 4'6", 6'3", 6'2", 7'5", it's just another frustrating moment for me. I guess, Matt, what do you make of this performance? Uh, it's, it's deja vu, man. How many times have we had this conversation? I'm... I, I'm... I'm tired of it, man. I really am. I, I, it hurts. It, it hurts, and I'm just I'm sick of talking about this because we've been doing it for far too long now. And and I mean, it's gotten to the point where I, I, I'm actually starting to feel slightly bad for the guy. I mean, I just I am because if you listen to his his post match press conference, I mean, he said it himself. He has no confidence. He literally said his confidence is below zero right now. He just he he he's not confident. He doesn't think he can beat anybody. So, I mean, that's not the way that you, you go into Wimbledon. I mean, you're not going to win against these types of players. And, yeah, Yuri Vesley, man, I mean, that's not a guy to mess around with. Like you said, 6-6, great grass court game, tricky lefty. I mean, but again, when, when you're a, the number six seed, you're a top ten player in the world, it's a match you got to win in the first round. I'm sorry, but it, there's no pass here. Uh, I just it's, – it's very disappointing because, again – Zverev reverts back to the way that he's always done when he just plays so far behind the baseline on a surface where you can't do that. He let Vesley be the aggressor and just play his game. He let his opponent dictate the match. And, and you know, he actually came out and won a pretty good first set. But after that, man, I mean, 3-2-5, and five, I just, it sucks, man. I don't know. So you mentioned the behind the baseline, him playing two passive stuff, and we've talked about that a bazillion times, so I'm not going to even – you're right. Um, but that being said – It's I guess obvious. Most, yeah, but for me, what's most disappointing is the way he – okay, so first of all, most disappointing to me was when I saw the draw because immediately I thought to myself, Yuri Vesley, you know, <laughs> this is a guy who has been ranked as high as the top 50 in the world. You know, I believe he reached as high as number 40 uh, or maybe number 39 early in, earlier in his career, 38, 36 range. Uh, but this is a guy who has been struggling. You know, he started the 2019 at number 87. He enters this event as number 124. Obviously, he enters having lost those round of 16 points from last year's Wimbledon. But 
Vesley's game is tailor-made for this grass surface. You know, big lefty, plenty comfortable serving and volleying, plenty comfortable working his way to the net off of return points. You look at the stats from this match for Vesley, he makes 67% of his first serves, wins 80% of those first serve points, 51% of his second serve points, a non-deceiving 38 of 45 for an 84% conversion rate at the net. Look, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Hit the big serve. If Zverev leaves a return anywhere near the service line, use that as your approach shot to come in. So we, I do want to give him credit because, again, this is the sort of style, uh, sort of uh, game that Yuri Vesely, when he plays his best tennis, this surface just should work beautifully for him. And obviously today it did. And also real quick, shout out to the Wimbledon website. It's so nice to have them back. We have net points, winners, unforced errors, total distance, all the little stats that nerds like you and I love, Matt. But Getting back to Zverev, again, you look at his first serve percentage. Yeah, he made 68% of his first serves, but you look at those second and third sets, and it's just his first serve effectiveness just sort of plummeted in that first set. He he wins 94% of his first serve points, second set 67%, third set 60%. When you're playing a guy like Vesely where, you know, the break points are going to be so few and far between, that's just not going to cut it, especially given the second serve concerns Zverev has had, you know, all season long. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and let me ask you this, Alex. I mean, you mentioned Vesely's, you know, his thought process and his plan of attack coming into this match, and he executed it. For me, it's like, why can't Zverev come into a match with that kind of a plan and just go execute it because he has the ability to do it? My thing is, I think Vesely today, also, he let Zverev beat himself. Look, Alex Zverev, someone has clearly told him, or he has it in his head, that he needs to become a better volleyer. And long-term, that's a 100% accurate fact. But look at the net points in this match. Zverev... 25 of 52 to Vesely's 38 of 54 in that first, and so that's a 50% conversion rate-ish for Zverev. In that first set at the net, Zverev went 6 of 12, but it felt like his opportunities, he hit better approach shots and found a way to move forward. But just, he's so clueless. He, it, it, You can just see in his head, he's like, okay, I think this is when I'm supposed to move up. This right. is how I've seen when others move in. And it's just, he moves in behind poor uh, approach shots. His first volley, like again, his body's in the right position, but he, he just hits his first volley as though he's trying to make it. He's like, just please make this one in. And when you're playing at Wimbledon at the highest level of tournament, you can't just make the volley. The volley has to have attitude behind it. It has to be used as a finishing shot. And too often, Zvira's first volleys allow his opponent another chance. And even Yuri Vesely, who's not the best mover, found himself getting second, third chances at passing shots. And if you do that too often, you're just going to lose. Yep. Yeah, there's no question about it. It's just, it's so frustrating for a guy that's top 10. I mean, that we're having this conversation about the guy that's the number six seed. I mean, Vesley, what'd you say he was? 123 in the world. I mean, he had to qualify into this event and he knows, he trusts his game more than the number six ranked player does. And, yeah, and, but the, I, I guess, though, not to be rude, but the counter to that is, though, Vesley is a two-time round of 16 appearer at Wimbledon. So he it's he should have, I, I guess— I don't what really I'm, care uh, about that, though. I mean, Zverev, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, look, Zverev, is, like you, you mentioned, he's won Masters thousands, man. I mean, he's, he's six in the world or five, whatever he is. I mean, I don't care if you've been to the round of 16 before at Wimbledon. I mean, that's great, but— 
Man, it's just, uh, to me, I, that doesn't give him a pass. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I, again, I don't think, and I'm not trying to give him a pass. I'm trying to explain Yuri Vesely deserves to have that sort of confidence, right? He has earned the right to know that when he plays his best tennis on a grass surface, he can beat anyone. But to what you're saying, and uh, there are some, you know, I don't want to speculate, but you read in, in his post-match conference, Zverev has, t- and it's been very public, Zverev's uh, rough relationship with his former manager. They're trying to split. There's some contractual issues. I don't want to speculate because I don't know enough details, but any sort of off-court nonsense like that distracting you, obviously, uh, that's going to take away from your performance on court. But for Alex Zverev, it's just about doing the simple things again. Like in the first serve, I was so inc- or first set, I was so encouraged because he dominated with his first serve in the game. He broke in that first set. Uh, it was four-five. Uh, Vesely up forty love. He, he makes two big returns and capitalizes off of Vesely unforced error, and he's right back in the game. He gets the break. He closed out the set. He's excited. Yeah. And then the next two sets, it's just, you know, double faults start creeping in. Yeah. The forehand starts shanking a little bit more. And it's just like, I don't know if it's the three out of five set format. I don't know what it is mentally, but Alex Zverev is too talented to allow this to continue to happen. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I'm getting, I'm really starting to get to the point, man, where I'm questioning, is this guy going to really be able to put it together and and win one of these things? I mean, because look, we've seen other talented players not do it. We talk about Nick Kyrgios all the time. I mean, this guy, if he played to his ability every day, would have, would have multiple majors by now, but he can't do it. I just, Zverev, man, at some point, I just, I don't know if a, fl- a switch is going to flip. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. So it's now we're getting to the point, man, where I'm questioning... I, I don't know if this guy's going to win any majors anytime soon or ever. I I don't know. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. He's like 21, 22 years old. We have plenty of time. And for Zverev again, Vesely goes 5 of 8 on break points. Zverev goes 1 of 7. That kind of is a perfect synopsis of Vesely took took care of his opportunities. Zverev let them go past him. So just, again, another rough performance from him. Always difficult to talk about Alex Zverev at the majors. And that's just something I hope changes soon. But... Another, again, disappointing transition uh, here because a guy you do not think, you know, thus far this year, he has showed he's a primetime player. If the cameras are on, the lights are on, Stefano Tsitsipas is going to shine. And yet in his first round match, and again, let's give some contests. Th- uh, Thomas Fabiano, I believe, ended up beating uh, Stan Wawrinka at last year's Wimbledon. I think he beat Riley Opelka as well, if I remember correctly, uh, to make uh, the third round of this event. He, uh, he also, in the past, you know, again, this one of the less heralded things about him. This is a five foot eight, thirty year old Italian player. He's never cracked the top fifty. His career highest ranking came at number seventy in September of twenty seventeen. Uh, yet today he found his best tennis. Something seems to just click for him when he gets on the grass and he knocks out number seven seed Stefano Tsitsipas, six four, three six, six four, six seven, six three. Same question to you as I I think on the Osaka case, you know, I think it was somewhere in between she lost it and Putin Seva won it. I mean, in, in in the Zverev case, I think it's safe to say he lost the match. He just didn't play well enough to win it. For Stefano Tsitsipas, I thought he played well enough today. But simply put, Thomas Fa- I mean, Tsitsipas didn't play great, but he played well enough to win. But Thomas Fabiano was outstanding. Yeah, he... He was pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it. Fabiano was pretty good, but... 
again, this is a guy, well, and before I get into it, Fabiano did just make the semifinals of Eastbourne, I believe, last week. He lost mm-hmm. to Sam Query there. Yep. yep. So, I, you know, he, he was kind of hot coming into this event. But again, when you're Sitsipas, I mean, and you look at that first round draw, I mean, Thomas Fabiano, that's a guy you've just, I, I you've got to beat that guy. I mean, that's, again, that's a good draw in, in my book for a first round match. You'll take that. Uh, and yeah, he just, he didn't play quite well enough. I mean, for me, this match is disappointing because I, I thought Tsitsipas had a chance to go really far in this tournament. I, I thought he was going to go farther than Zverev. I mean, again, we we get to these majors, and at this point, I don't really expect much out of Zverev at, at this point. I just don't. But Tsitsipas, on the other hand, I thought it had a chance to go real deep. Um, so this one stings a little bit because I was really looking forward to seeing him progress throughout this tournament but he just he didn't he didn't quite have it I mean his serve I thought was was okay but I've seen him serve better in the past his variety I mean he was trying to come in but I I don't know man Fabiano just he came up with the answers and look I'll give both players credit I mean Tsitsipas had to save multiple match points in the fourth set he could have been out in four he somehow held on, got it to a fifth, and then Fabiano came up with the goods. You know, credit to him, but I'm I'm still I'm still disappointed, man, because look, I, I don't I don't care to see Fabiano play that much more in this tournament. I wanted to see Sitsipas go deep, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And look, for Stefano Sitsipas, in in terms of the stats, the winner to unforced error ratio compared to Fabiano, Sitsipas sitting at 54 to 43 plus 11, Fabiano 45 to 40 plus 5. But it felt and you know, this is a stupid thing to say unless you, you if you watch this match, you could feel Sitsipas pressing a little bit more than Fabiano. You yeah. felt the the presence of his errors more often and I think where that became most evident. And look, Sitsipas unlike Zverev, when he gets to the that he knows what he can do he knows what he wants to do and in fact he usually executes very very well but in this match he goes 39 of 69 57 percent to Fabiano's 25 of 48 52 percent and you know those are close margins but Again, when Tsitsipas is coming to the net 21 more times, uh, you know, he gets beaten at the net. That doesn't come up as an unforced error. That comes up as a forced error. And I just felt like yeah. he also in this match, he I guess maybe he wasn't playing his best tennis because he seemed to think I cannot get into baseline rallies with this guy. And yeah, it's a grass court. No sh**. You can't get into baseline rallies. But he just seemed to think I need to come to the net. I need to end these points as quickly as possible. Uh, and I just, I, and to impose myself, to be Stefano Tsitsipas, be right. The flashy shot maker that he always is and it was rushed it was just not the right game plan for this moment yeah no completely agree he just he didn't have the patience I I mean and mm-hmm. look I like his variety that's one of the reasons why I love him so much as a player is just because he has a variety in his game that most other players on tour really don't have and grass is the surface that he can utilize that on and that's why I just I was expecting a deep run and he, he, I don't know if he got a little ahead of himself, like you mentioned, just, just rushing and not playing all that smart. But I think if he would have just been a little bit more patient, I mean, like you mentioned, he can rally from the baseline if he needs to. He has the ability to do that. I, I don't know. It's almost like he just said, you know what? Nope, I'm I'm doing this my way. And, and he just, he kind of went down in flames with it. But, you know, I don't know, man. Overall, 
I can't be as upset with him because he's had better, you know, pretty good results in the majors recently. I mean, he's been more consistent than Zverev, in my opinion, throughout this semi, year. Semi-final Australia, fourth-round French when he lost to Stan, right? Right. And, and, you know, that fourth-round loss to Stan was one of the best matches I've seen all year, if not the best match. So, I mean, that one, I, you know, I'm okay with that. I just, I feel like... You know, well, if I may, here's the difference at this point. Here's why you feel a little bit better if I can try and summarize it. In 2019, we watched Stefano Tsitsipas beat Roger Federer in a Grand Slam match. Yeah. As well as Fabio Fagannini has been playing, we have never seen Alex Virov do something like that at a major. So right. I, I think I agree with you. It's okay that, you know, every so often you're just going to run into a hotter player. That's how thin the margins are. And today, Fabiano was a little bit better than Tsitsipas. Right. And so that's okay. But again... Uh, yeah, but I agree. I, I guess I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I agree with your point. Disappointed he lost because I would have loved to see him at the late stages of a, of a major always. Yes. Uh, but but again, if you're you're looking into the season, the takeaways for him, it's patience, Stefanos. You know, your time is coming. You don't need to you know race to everything. Yeah. No, completely agree. It's just it just is a little bit of a shame that now grass is over. And, you know, he's going to have to go to the hard... I mean, obviously, he's very good on the hard courts. I'm not worried about that. But, man, the grass court season's so short. And I feel like, in 2019 at least, I didn't get enough Stefano Tsitsipas on this surface. And I had been looking forward to that. Counterpoint, I mean, yeah, he lost first round, I believe, in the Netherlands when he lost to Jari in three sets. Uh, He lost in the quarterfinals to FAA in straights at Queen's Club. Ah... I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. It just it feels like Stefano Tsitsipas in the future, Wimbledon will be a place that he calls his own because of the shot making and just all of the different things he can do on a tennis court. But yeah, today it was just it was too forced, too rushed. Not, it didn't have the A game, and he really needed it against a player playing as well as Fabiano. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, well then, speaking of A games, the last match you and I are going to break down in depth today, someone who 100% has been bringing her A game since the start of Wimbledon qualifying, former American junior world number one and 15-year-old Coco Goff, who plays her, as she says, her idol, the, the role model she had her entire tennis career, a player who had already won two Wimbledon ladies singles titles before Coco Goff was even born, Venus Williams, who Goff ends up beating 6-4, 6-4. I mean, Matt, simply put, I, between Goff, Anisimova, Bellis, Kennan, I don't need the American Next Gen guys anymore. I'm totally cool with the women because they are set up so well for the future. There's no doubt about it, man. But, I mean, let's focus in on Goff for a second. I mean, she's 15. I mean, all those other players you mentioned are young. They're very young. But, I mean, Goff is 15 years old, man. I mean, just just think about that for a second. Think about what she did. I, I just, you know, we can break it down. We can talk about the stats or whatever. I don't even care about that, man. Her composure during that match against Venus Williams one of the greats of all time in the sport, her idol, like one of her heroes was just unbelievable to me. I mean, the way that she played her shot making, her movement, her, her mental composure out on the court, literally everything. I mean, it it just, I, there wasn't really anything that I was not impressed with. And I mean, look, Venus, (laughs) I don't really ever expect all that much from Venus anymore, to be fair. I mean, she, she's, you know, she's definitely past her prime. I mean, there's no question But for a 15-year-old to step out on court one at Wimbledon 
in the main draw and play Venus Williams and look like that, I I was I was shocked, man. I mean, I knew Coco Golf was a great player, but look, I mean, to do it on this stage, it's it's brings her into a whole nother dimension, in my opinion. So there's a text exchange floating out in the world between me and Max Rothman where we're talking during the ending of this match, and I won't say who is who, but <clears throat> Rothman, I'm throwing you under the bus here. Someone was saying that Coco Goff just looked extremely nervous at the end of this match. And look, uh, you know, for those who are watching, she was up a break 4-3 in that second set, gets broken after throwing in a game with two double faults uh, for four all. And then the poise she showed to come back at four all yes. break back right away. She's taking returns early. She, you know, Venus is trying to, uh, hit it to uh, hit serves to her body. She's getting around that opening up angles for herself, really surviving and look Goff in this match, only four of six at the net did hit a few more swing, swinging volleys. And I think, you know, I felt like she hit more than six swinging volleys on the day. So that seems, you know, if that's not counted as a net point, whatever, but really just seemed like she realized very early on in the match that Venus didn't have her fastball today, right? She wasn't going to be knocking winners right. all over the court and, you know, just blowing golf completely out of the water. And I just think the way she composed herself, she makes only eight unforced errors in the match against yeah. 18 winners. She weathered the storm and dis- and to be able to do that at age 15 is the sort of maturity uh, the sort of mat- the ability to you know persevere and remain calm that's the characteristic of future world number ones i mean eight unforced errors in a match on grass at wimbledon against, against venus. venus williams that i dude i've never i haven't played a match in my life where i only made eight unforced errors Oh, let me give you this story. So I will tell you real quick. You said oh, we're trying to keep the tangents low because there's still so much tennis to talk about. And we're at what, like the 37 minute mark. But one time in my life that I have achieved a golden set and I was <laughs> literally on my way to a perfect match. So I'm up 6-0, love. And I'm talking, I did not make a, I was like this, hey, look, this kid was not very good. Uh, if I'm beating him that badly, obviously he's not. But I, in my head, I'm saying to myself, Holy shit, Alex. Like, you have the chance right now to not f*** up, to win yourself a golden match. Like, a story that, given how obsessed you are with tennis, you will be telling for the rest of your life. And on the forehand, I shanked. I remember 40 Love, I shanked a forehand, like, so far long. And then I think I lost the game because I was like, God. I was just like, this isn't worth it anymore. But so what I'm saying is, yes, the so. I'm playing someone terrible at Schoolcraft Community College in the boys' 14s of the USTA. <laughs> Coco Goff is playing Venus Williams at Wimbledon, right. and she's putting together eight unforced That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's that's – I can hardly comprehend that, man. I mean, it's just – it's un, unbelievable. She comes all the way through qualies. She's 15. I mean, this was – this was outstanding, man. I mean, obviously, this is just the very beginning – of a long and super successful career, I, you know, it's just a matter of at this point, how quickly is it going to come? I think. Well, here's here's the thing: her forehand, it's a little big, the backswing, right? Like it's a very long wind up. She makes the big circle, comes under the ball, and right. I mean, her racket speed's outstanding. But you can see that as a, you know, players are going to attack that, not attack that side, but that's where they're going to buy time for themselves is throw junk that way. But that being said, I mean, 
whether some of the forehand cross court angles she would hit when she was going cross court with Venus, the fact that her backhand it seems to be very steady, she's fine going line cross, getting just good depth with it. Every skill minus the volley is there right now. And I, I haven't even mentioned her serve, which may be one of, if not the best serve I have seen of all of these young studs on the WTA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's no question. She has everything there. The foundation of her game is completely there. And mentally, I mean, but really, there's a lot of players that have that. What's the difference that really separates the best? It's the mental side. And she, I mean, she showed that today. No question she showed a ridiculous amount of composure and poise in that match. I was just, I was truly, truly impressed. Yeah, and look, real quick, you look at her portion of the draw now. I believe she matches up. Let's see whom with. She now matches up with Westoff Leave Us Live, because I'm sure I'm about to uh, find this. Oh, I believe she plays uh, Rybarakova, who beat Sabalinka earlier today, 6-2, So certainly an opportunity for her yep, give me to Goff. get another one. I mean, how crazy would it be if it's like Goff, Anisimova, and Kennan are all sitting in that third, fourth round? It's just like, imagine, it's just... It's 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 really incredible. It's just like why can't I get that from Fritz? Why can't I get right. that from Opelka? What yeah. are we doing? What are we doing right for the ladies that we are not doing correctly for the gentlemen? Like just let me know. Like I'll I'll help. <laughs> I know, man. I know. It's just it. Look, they they're they're two separate tours. I mean, I know what you're saying, and I completely agree. But I guess, I mean, at at this point, we'll just have to take the good for for the good and. The not-so-good for the not-so-good. But again, I mean, even on the men's side, those guys, they're coming along. Yeah, that's fair. Well, then, speaking of the good and the not-so-good, let's roll through the rest of today's events. We'll start with the seeds who lost today on the women's side. I mentioned number 10 seed Sabalenka going down to Rabrikova, 6-2-6-4. American Madison Bringle knocks out French Open finalist Marketa Vandrasova, 6-4-6-4. Alia Tomjanovic, a 6-3-6-1 winner over number 29 seed. Uh, I believe it was Daria Kastakina. You look at, you're looking through the rest of the draw now. On the women's side, those were all the next-gen results. But there were a few other seeds who ended up uh, losing today. Uh, I believe on the women's side, you had number 23 seed Caroline Garcia losing to Zhang, 6-4-6-0. Then on the men's side, uh, you know, obviously, Tsitsi Pasvirev will take the headlines. But we did have a couple of other next-gen results go the other way. Uh, you look at two young uh, players who got wins today. Hugo Umbert, the Frenchman, knocks out Gael Monfils after going down two sets to love, 6-7-3-6, My guy, Hubie Kerkatch, knocks out Dusan the Deuce Lajovic, the number two seed, 6-3-4-6-6-4-6-4. Of those upsets, Matt, did any of them really shock you? Because if I'm going to be honest, the Deuce, Gael, I saw both of them losing these matches. Yeah, well, I definitely had the Deuce losing, but I did not have Gael losing. Definitely not, man. I See, mean, I have you watched him at all in the build-up to Wimbledon? He just looked, and I'm saying this respectfully, uh, and I just think he looked lethargic. He just looked like he wanted no part of the grass tennis season. Yeah, and that, I know, and that's it's disappointing because he had been playing really well on the clay. I yeah, mean, so he, well. So well, and, and that's why, like, I don't know why, I guess he just, I, I don't know what it was, man. He just said, screw the grass this year, but... I, that's a match that he normally, I think, would, would win. But, I mean, give Umber credit. I mean, that's another young guy. I just, yeah, no, that was a, 
that was, a, I don't want to say a shocker, but I mean, I definitely didn't have that one picked. Um, but the other one that I, I, I can't say I was shocked by it either, but that I'm just, again, highly disappointed is Grigor Dimitrov losing to Quarantine Mute. What? Hold that thought for two seconds because I want to talk about Mute in a bit uh, in a second. But just to to finish the point on Monfils, one in three uh, this season on grass loses first round Halla, first round Wimbledon, second round Stuttgart Open. Uh, you look at I believe you mentioned Ugo Umber. Just a quick thought. I I just don't know when like I watch all of these players play the Umbers, the Kasmanoviches, the Hercatches the Mutets, the Paparins, and I'm just thinking, you know, you add that on top of Fritz, Opelka, Demonauer, Shapovalov, all of these guys, and I just keep thinking to myself, like, where is this guy going to find a spot for himself in the top 30? Like, I just, all of these guys are talented, they can all do it, but like, I, and I know this is why, you know, we're supposed to figure out which one of these guys are going to make the top 30 first, like, good luck to us. Yeah, for sure, I mean, it's, look, they're going to have to fight for it, there's a huge pile of players up there and and look these some of these guys are going to end up separating themselves they just will naturally it's going to happen because they're going to keep playing each other and their results are going to speak for themselves so I mean we'll get the answer to that question it's just hard to say it's hard to predict right now yeah yeah I think that's fair and now getting back to your point though some of the other you know now looking at just the, the young men and women and for the record just quick disclaimer uh, I know this is cheesy but myself being born October 1995 I still consider myself next gen I hope this is not my prime although I'm feeling pretty good about myself Maddie though again I feel like there's definitely still room for improvement for me that being said any player on tour who's younger than me I am not going to consider them current gen they're still next gen I'll stop doing that as soon as 2020 starts I swear because 24 years old you're an adult especially in tennis terms but 23 you could still make a case that person's got more time in front of them than already in the rear view mirror so that being said here are the players i i qualified as next gen who got wins today um maddie when i'm done tell me the two guys and two well let's start with the men the two guys who impressed you the most of kachnov who's a winner today medvedev winner FAA, Kyle Edmund, Umber, Herkatch, Mute, Kasmenovich, Opelka, Paparin. Of that group, which two impressed you the most? Well, it's hard to say because some of them I was fairly impressed with. A couple others I wasn't all that impressed, even in victories. But one guy that I was pretty impressed with was Kyle Edmund. I mean, I know— I, uh, we texted about this during the day. Right. I completely agree. I with mean, you. he was playing a guy that is definitely a clay quarter, Jaume Munar, and, you know, who's a fellow next genner. And I, that's why I, you know, for me, I was just, I guess I was really impressed with the way that Kyle played because he has not had a great year. He hasn't been in great form as of late. So this match was, I mean, it was a breath of fresh air. I, I was happy to see him play really, really well for three straight sets. But again, at the same time, Munar isn't exactly, like, I want to see Edmund do it against somebody else. Okay, like, but but before you bash on Edmund for this win, the, or bash uh, on him for yeah, the win, you literally just him. called him one of your top performers. Right. Yeah, that that's my bad. Hey, great shot to me. What I meant to say is, 
in this match with Munar, who you're right, could not have looked more like a fish out of water on grass, uh, but that Edmund was able to play this sort of dominant tennis. He came up with early breaks in each of the three sets. In particular, he was up 5-2 in that second set, or in that third set, serving for the match, got broken, came back at the 5-4 game, and I believe held at 40-30. For a guy who's been struggling all year long to get that sort of hump where you give a break back but then close the deal, that's huge for your confidence moving forward it's like the anti-alex virev yeah yeah exactly i mean this is going to be a great tournament for him to really start feeling his game again because he's got the crowd behind him it's wimbledon i mean you know he loves it there so i mean what better time than now for kyle edmund to turn his 2019 around and start playing the kind of tennis that we know he can play i mean i think he can do it here um but the other guy that I have to say that I was I was pretty impressed with was Quarantine Mute. And equally, I, I was disappointed with Grigor Dimitrov because <laughs> he I, I feel like we say this every single slam too about Grigor is he just once again, he loses early mentally, he can't get it done. He wins the first two sets pretty easily against a young guy that had to qualify in Mute. And then he just goes down the tubes, man. He loses that third set breaker, and then it's like, oh, okay, Grigor's done. Here we go again. Another yeah. first-round loss. I just – I hate that for him, man. But on the other side for Mute, I mean, that's huge. I, I mean, to come back from two sets like that after getting your butt handed to you to win three in a row against Grigor, I, that's big for me. I mean, all the other guys, I, I don't want to say I was all that impressed with because I expected them to win. The Kechmanovic, the Opelka – Popperin, FAA, Medvedev, Hatchinov, I, I figured they would all win. So, I mean, for me, the way Edmund looked and Mute coming back would be my two most impressive performances. So I'm going to echo your point on Edmund. I mean, you know, we just talked about it. I agree. Edmund was one of mine as well. And for listeners who have listened since we started this podcast back in, I think, August of 2017, you'll know I've, I've long been a fan of Kyle Edmund. I weathered the storm, went through early season, so I'm going to enjoy when he's playing well now. Uh, on the Mute point, the young French lefty just he kept peppering the Dimitrov back and he said, look, I found a recipe that's working for me and I'm going to keep going to that side and then when I see you cheating over, boom, I'm going line. I'm moving in behind it. He did everything you want to do to expose Grigor. But yeah, Grigor just, there's no confidence right now. And it's funny because he won those None. first two sets. And then the second he lost the third, yes. you could just see. You could see in his face. He's like, oh no, I have to do another one of these. And it's just like, that's never going to work. Yeah, man. I just, I, I, I just laugh a little bit. I, I don't laugh, but man, I, I look at these scores and I'm just like, oh my God, here we go again with Zverev, with Grigor. It's just a recurring nightmare that I, I feel like every every Grand Slam we talk about this or I talk about this and it's just like, man, one of these times it's got to end. It's got to end. I, I just, but I don't know. Well, the thing is, he played so well. What was it? The 2017 Australian Open? Maybe the yes. 2018? Yeah, it's just like he made, the, he made semi, the semifinals. Yeah, it's just like, and then he won the World Tour Finals at the end of that season. It's like we know what a good Grigor Dimitrov looks right. like, but he's on the wrong side of twenty three, right? He's twenty eight yes. now, maybe twenty seven. It's just like yes. Oh, if you're not doing it now, if you're not at your most confident now, when are you going to do it? But that took me off topic. My second most impressive, and you're right, the Kachnov, uh, Medvedev. I think Medvedev is a sneaky threat to take out Djokovic later on in the tournament, but we'll litigate that later on. Um, 
FAA, got to give a huge shout-out to him because he gets his first Grand Slam win over a fellow countryman in Vashik Pospisil, and you know how difficult that is to do. But, yep. I mean, we, we'll talk about him later. So Felix is Felix. Uh, for her cat, or not for her catch, sorry, for Kasmenovic to come back from a final in Turkey, play the first day, you know, he doesn't get that extra day off and win after losing the first set. That's a huge leap in maturity for a 19 year old to, to handle those sort of circumstances. Hopefully Fritz can do that same sort of thing tomorrow. Um, Opelka was great, but for me, I've forgotten about Alexi Popper and it's not like Pablo Carino Busta, again, another fish out of water on grass. But there's a lot to like about young Popperin's game. And so I just, I'm going to be fascinated. Again, there's just, I love the diversity and selection of shot selection, of just game styles, of the things, the personalities, all these various young characters can do. And now it's just a matter of seeing them break through one, two, three times in a Grand Slam tournament, as opposed to just winning a first round and bowing out. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and who's going to take out – look, we still have the top three in there, man. Who's going to take out a Djokovic, a Federer, or a Nadal? And, and you know, until we see that, I still – I want to know. I mean, we, we've seen Tsitsipas do it at Australia. He took out Fed. You know, but but he's already top 10. So, I mean, we know what he can do. But all these other guys, I mean, the Popperins, the Mutes, the Hercotch, the, the – you know uh, – let's just see who who's going to come through first i mean because it's going to happen but i don't know i don't know when yeah i I think that's fair look uh, if we knew when we'd be making the big bucks because i'd have passed that (laughs) shit in vegas right away um but all right real quick then to just uh put a bow on these uh next-gen men uh you look at some of the losses real quick a guy i had thought was going to do well nicholas jerry loses six three six seven six one six two to andreas seppi janko tipsarovich uh six four six seven six two five seven six two winner over next-gen player and a guy max rothman has aced in yoshihito nishioka and fernando verdasco a six four six four six four winner over camille madstrek uh so just real quick on the guys last note uh successful day one or you know would you have liked to see more given that Tsitsipas, you know, the headliners lost, but I thought overall successful day for the next-gen cohort. Yeah, definitely no. I mean, I, I would agree with you there. I mean, those yeah. top two, obviously, the big guns, you don't you don't want to see them go down, but, you know, if, if we're taking them out of the equation, then yeah, no, I think other than that, it was a, it was a pretty damn good day. Yeah, all right. Well, then, with that in mind, let's switch over to the women. We met, We mentioned the people who lost, uh, Sabalinka, Vondrasova, Osaka, and then Kastakina. But uh, you look at some of the people who won today of the next-gen crew. We mentioned Coco Goff, obviously uh, the headliner of this group, given that she beat Venus, or given that she beat Venus, given that she's a former world junior number one. But other winners, Conteve in three over Rogers, Kennan uh, straight sets over former Vanderbilt player Astra Sharma. Sakari over Para, Potapova over Teichman, Mukova over Krunic, Kudermatova over Bonaventure, Buskova over Bartel, Yastremska over Georgie. Matt, of that group, most impressive performer today, uh, two performers of the next-gen women. It, it's tough because, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these were toss-ups. I mean... So then can I take this one first because I have yeah, a, a, go a ahead. definitive answer. So for me, and I said this yesterday with Matt Zemek for anyone who hasn't listened, and I feel like if you're listening at this point of the podcast, you definitely listened to the Matt Zemek pod, so you heard me say, I think Sophia Kennan can make the semifinals of this tournament. Name to me 
you know, seven or, you know, uh, four, I guess you can, of course you can't, sorry, it would be insulting for me to ask you, but find me, you know, eight better players in better form right now than Sophia Kennan, who won a WTA title on grass in the build-up to this, who has beat Serena in the Grand Slam before and understands the sort of pressure, the sort of moment it is when you're playing a top seed at a Grand Slam. I, there's just there's no reason to me in the world why she can't do it, and for her to come out and play uh, this sort of first round match, it's exactly the sort of first step I would hope to see from someone I expect to make a deep run. Yeah, oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, if you're if you think she can get to the final four, I mean, I I think it'll be tough. I, she could definitely do it. It's just a long road, man. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of roadblocks that she's going to have to go through. I mean, I definitely think it's possible. She's in great form, but I mean, kind of like you mentioned, I mean, for me, I, I don't want to say I wasn't impressed with her performance today, but I I was kind of expecting it. I mean, I just, this was a match that I figured so she'd... Real quick. Real quick, not to be rude, let me disagree with you on why her path is wide open. So she has Yastremska now second round, but she is the beneficiary of the Osaka upset. Osaka was her seed for the third round, so right away, you drop off the two seed, you are now, as a, the 27th seed, the favorite to make the fourth round. Yeah, I, is that a good thing? I mean, I again, it's, I don't know, I she's don't think young. It's a, I, I, I think so. I mean, she's winner, I guess, by just staying alive, right? She's now put herself... That's what we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Seeds are irrelevant. If you put yourself in a position uh, to make that second week, you know, continue to play your best tennis, the draw can open up for you. Look, last tournament, we had Vondrasova make the final. We had Ashley Barty, who had never shown that sort of success on clay before, or Joe Conta make the semifinals. Like, Sophia Kennan's draw, this is exactly what you hope for if you're her. Yeah, no question about it. And if look, if she plays up to her potential, she'll do it. I mean, there's no question. Yeah. It's just every, you know, every day now, each with each one of these matches, is she going to come out and play her absolute best? If she does, she wins, no question, cuz she's that good. But if she has a little bit of an off day, these other players are going to they're they're going to try and take advantage. So again, I mean, look, it's totally there for the taking. I just don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves at this point. Let's see how the next match goes, and and we'll go from there. But I mean, it's looking good. It's looking good. Sure, that's fair. And look, obviously, my other biggest winner of the of the next gen uh, WTA players, Coco Golf, who knocks out Venus Williams, gives the first win for her. Well, yeah, that one, that one that one goes yeah. without saying. I was gonna say right. We don't even need to go over that second one, but just to wrap up the next gen women, you look at uh, the players who lost. Sorbus Tomo retires at five four down to Wozniacki. Ostapenko, who got another player a rough twenty nineteen thus far, loses two and two to the number twenty eight seed C. Heather Watson knocks out Katie McNally, the young American. Six and two, Hercog over Kuzmova four six seven six seven five, Golubic over Swadik six two seven six, and Vickmeyer over Peterson six four six three. But again, you know, despite uh, a lot of headline players losing, I still, when I look at this crop of next gen players on both the American and women's side, it really does feel like they're starting to get a foothold in these Grand Slams, and that we're disappointed when some of them lose first round speaks to the advancements we've seen from the cohort as a group. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I mean, I agree. I think overall, I think both on the men's and women's side, if we're looking at next gen players, you've got to feel pretty good after day one.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, then with that being said, you're looking at the entire field. Let's run through these rest of the results as quickly as possible, starting with the women. And Matt, if you have anything to say, please just feel free to cut me off. Pliskova over Zoo in straights, Halep in straights, Svitolina, Sevastova, Keys, all in straight sets. Martich in three over Jennifer Brady. Uh, and then in terms of the unseeded players, we had Azarenka in straights, Puy in three, Danielle Collins in straights, Buzernescu in straights, uh, Gasparian in straights, and Flipkins in straight. Uh, any of those results surprise you, concern you any more than expected? No, I don't think so. Those are all pretty par for the course, I would say, at this point. I mean, it's good to see Keys get through, obviously. It's good to see Danielle Collins get through. Um, but, you know, I, I was I was kind of expecting that they would, at least in this first round. So My draw has a uh, has a Madison Keys-Sophia uh, Kennan semifinal planned Ooh. out. So hopefully that's the match we get because I would love that. I would love that as well. <laughs> yeah, and if it happens, you know who I'm calling for the mini break the next day. Uh, <laughs> real quick to flip over to the men. Djokovic over Kroll Schreiber. Kevin Anderson, straight set win over Air Bear. Just real quick on Anderson. Great to see him get a win like that after, you know, we have not seen much of him in 2019. And he has a finals appearance to defend, right? So for him, huge, huge result against an Air Bear who was playing good tennis coming into the match. Yeah, Air Bear's tricky opponent. I mean, that's a guy, especially on grass, you probably don't want to see in the first round. And when you're Kevin Anderson, you haven't played in a little while. Uh, you know, you have, I mean, that's definitely a guy that you don't want to see when you're when you're coming back as the number four seed from, from a year ago. So yeah, for him to get through in, in straights relatively easily, I thought that was huge for him. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you again. Confidence building. That's all he's yep. trying to get at this point in that sort of win over Air Bear, a confidence boost. Yep. Milos Raonic, everyone's favorite dark horse, even though it's hard to call someone who's made a final here and is still in the prime of his career a dark horse. A straight set winner over Gunswari and Gofen in straights over Klan. Stan Wawrinka over Bemelman, setting up an incredible second round match with young American Riley Opelka that I have upset alerts uh, circled all over. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about that, I suppose. Or I guess you and Jamie will talk about that one tomorrow, Maddie. Uh, RBA over Gojewitz in straight. Guido Pea over Copel in four. And Benoit Pair over Landero in four to loop out the seeds. You look at the other players. Kudla over Jaziri. Lopez over Giron. Granolers over Sinego. Karlovic over Arnabaldi. Mayer over Golbis. Darcis over Misha Zverev. Chardy over Klizan. Cuevas over Zoom here. And Robin Hasso, one of my favorite players to watch. A straight set winner over Kovalik same question Matt any surprising results here anything in particular you noticed not not too surprising man I mean I would say I Pablo Cuevas for him to come back and win in five I thought was fairly impressive against Schumer who can be tough on grass um you know he was down two sets to one so that that was big for a guy that we typically think of as a clay quarter um and and doesn't really enjoy the grass that much so for Pablo Cuevas I'd say that was a, a pretty big win for him other than that everything else um you know nothing nothing too shocking I think everything else was about pretty standard my my two things, Dennis Kudla, so happy to see him get a win. He always talks about how the grass part of the year is his favorite portion. Look, he got the exact match he wanted in Jaziri. Yes. And, you know, you see this trend, Jaziri, or not Jaziri, but sorry, Kudla, uh, Fabiano, both young, stocky, or young, short, stocky guys who, it just seems like their balance on the court so much better than everyone else's naturally because they are lower to the ground, their center of gravity, it's able, they're easier to maintain that sort of balance on the grass and both uh, drive, love to drive the 
ball flat through the court, which obviously works well on the grass. But the other point I want to make, the kind of tale of two stories, right? Feliciano Lopez, he wins doubles. He wins uh, singles in Queens. Maybe Eastbourne, sorry if I messed that up. And then Lorenzo Sinego, who gets his first uh, ATP title in Turkey, uh, and it's opposite, you know, for Sinego to lose in straight sets, it's kind of the opposite of Kesmenovic. You have to wonder, was there any sort of hangover from that title? And for Lopez to come out, get a first-round win over Marcos Giron, it's just, it's interesting when that sort of thing happens, right? You would have hoped Sinego could have ridden the momentum like Lopez, like Kesmenovic did. And he, I was just a little shocked today to see him lose to a guy in Granolers who, not that he's not good, but I would just think given Sinego's form, should have been yeah. a much easier opponent. Yeah, it, it's always tricky, though. I mean, look, he's still he he's very young, and I mean, coming off yeah. that first ATP title, you never really know how they're going to react, you know, on short notice, having to come right back, start another tournament. So it's not it's not all that surprising to me. Um, you know, it's he's a young player. I think if he had been around for a little while, was a little bit more experienced, he could have found a way through that one. Because, like you mentioned, Grenolliers is is not you know. It, Andre the giant of an opponent I mean that's that's a guy that you would you would take in the first round so that's that's a decent draw but yeah Feli Lopez man I mean that guy's what 37 years old and he's still going strong on grass he's always played well on grass so that result not too shocking for me either I mean tricky lefty serves awesome so tough draw for for Marcos Jerome no doubt yeah no, uh, I agree. I would have loved to see him win as well. Shout out to our boy, Dr. Evo, by the way, who I feel like oh, yeah. hasn't actually aged in 20 years, but has been on tour for at least that long. And to see him get a win over a qualifier on a boldly 6-4, Keep getting those checks, Evo, because they're, yep. you know, they're fewer and farther between. But all right, with that being said, there's one other thing I'm going to do. And given where we're at at the pod, given how much tennis we'll be talking over the next two weeks, we can do an abbreviated version of what we had planned, Matt. But I do want to preview Wimbledon day two because we have the other sides of both the men's and the women's singles draw you know 64 matches of tennis underway actually quick question to you and I think we might have talked about this before but have you ever heard the expression like when you're watching seven tennis matches you're not watching actually any matches because that's how I feel during these first couple days I'm like I'm watching everything but am I actually watching anything see I, I I have the ability to do that I don't know about you, but I can I can watch multiple matches no, so at a time. If I, you're going to do a mini break pod over an hour 20 a day, of course I've learned the ability to right. do it. But there's times where I'm like, no, I really want to just like, will you just pause this? Like I was watching, <laughs> who's out? I don't remember. I think I was watching some replays in advance or just in the build up to this. So I guess it was a replay. But I was, I was, I had to like go back to the Osaka first set tiebreaker. I was like, hold, hold, hold. And I like was at, because uh, I was watching like CT Pass tiebreaker simultaneously. I was like, all right, CT Pass, you get this point. All right, back to you, Naomi. All right, now Stefanos. Now Naomi, and it's just like it, it gets a little frustrating. It, it takes an extreme amount of focus to be able to do that. You re- you really got to be dialed in, man. But I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But with that being said, if for our fans, so they don't get that sort of cross-eyed, uh, just overwhelming nature of all the matches. Two guys matches, two girls matches. You are locked. Uh, sorry, two gentlemen's matches. Too late. Actually, Westoff, give me a full rewind track, please. Stokowiak, two ladies' matches, two gentlemen's matches that you're looking forward to most tomorrow. Okay, so really there's there's really one. I'll give you one on the ladies' side that I'm really interested in, and I think I think you'll agree with me on this one, but 
Donna Vekic and Allison Risk, I think, is a sneaky good match, man. Two really good grass court players. I mean, Risk has definitely, throughout her career, her her best success has come on grass. And Donna Vekic is really good on grass as well. I think that is a sneaky good first-round matchup. Hopefully, Risk can pull that out. I would love to see that, but it's going to be tough. I mean, I think that could absolutely be a battle. I'm expecting three sets. And I, I definitely think for the ladies' matches, that that is the one to watch, at least in my opinion. Um, I, I completely agree with you. And just on the women's note real quick, that match, I'm really curious to see what Maria Sharapova looks like at this point of her career tennis-wise. I just I want to know what that game, you know, Wimbledon was the surface she had her breakthrough on. Yeah. And just for her to come back at this point, I, I'm just... I'm curious. I just want to know what it looks like. So I will be tuning into that. Uh, Taylor Townsend, whose game, the way she comes in, the angles, the slices she plays seems perfect for grass. Although most of her success has been on the green clay, but I'm, I'm always interested in watching her play. She has Rodi Nova tomorrow. And then of course, young Amanda Nisimova, who probably saw Coco Goff and all the reaction was like, guys, did you forget, you know, I've made the round of 16 and the semifinals of two grand slams so far this year. Like, don't forget about me. And you know, then she, she plays tomorrow against Kirstea. So those are the real, you know, and Serena, obviously always down to watch that, but those are the big women's matches I will be tuned into. But on the men's side, Maddie. The men's, I got two, and I think you're going to have the same two as well. I also have an honorable mention that I'll, that'll uh, get to. My honorable mention is going to be Marin Cilic against Adrian Manorino. I think that that has the potential to be an interesting match. I mean, Cilic, look, has had success here at Wimbledon. I mean, he's he's good, but he hasn't had the, the greatest year by his standards. We usually expect more consistent results out of him. And Manorino, man, is just – that guy's just a nuisance. I mean, on any surface, he's going to slice and dice you. He's a tricky lefty. He gets around the court fast. That's just a guy that can cause problems. And one of those guys that if you're if you're a seeded player, I wouldn't want to play Adrian Manorino in the first round. So I think there's potential for upset alert there. And if not, I mean, if Chilich is going to win, I think he's going to really have to earn it and play well. And I, I think we could we could go deep in that one, four or five sets. But that's honorable mention. My main two, I got to go with the young Americans, man. Tiafo versus Fognini and Fritz versus Burdick. I mean, those two, when I saw the draw come out, I mean, those instantly popped out, right? I mean, I've been waiting for those ever since I saw the draw. I think for Francis, rough draw. I mean, it's going to be tough, but it's a match that he certainly, he's got the ability to pull it off. He's just, he has to play really well, and he's got to play his best match that he's played on grass all year. And if he does that, he's going to have a chance to beat Fabio. For Taylor Fritz, we know that he's hot. I mean, he just won a title. So I think he's actually, in my mind, a favorite over Burdick, who we haven't really seen much of. I mean, he's, you know, had his issues. You know, he's been injured and and things like that. So I'm looking for Taylor Fritz to definitely take that match. I just, I hope he's not too tired. I, I don't want fatigue to set in. I'm hoping that he's recovered and if he is, I think he's going to take that one. Francis, it'll be tougher, but I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping we get a good one out of him. Yeah, I mean, look, that's why I was so uh, fascinated to see all the people who had recent results, how they did today, because that Fritz-Burdish match, given 
their current levels, given the momentum they both have coming in the respective places they're at with their games. I mean, Fritz is a prohibitive favorite. He should absolutely win this match if he's fresh. Yeah, and I think he yeah, should. I mean, I mean, he has the sort of weapons to make Tomas Burdich uncomfortable. And when you're old and sore and not feeling good, the last thing you <laughs> want is someone who's going to be hitting you across the court. And Taylor Fritz can do that yeah. if he plays his best tennis. Now, of course, Burdich has weapons that, given Fritz's lack of athleticism, he can certainly do his own stuff. That you know, certainly make Fritz uncomfortable as well. But there's no reason Taylor can't win the match. On the Tiafo note, I know you're not a gambling man because you have too much respect for the integrity of the game, Matt. But somehow Francis Tiafo has become the betting favorite in this match. He's Ooh. minus one twenty-five to Fognini's plus one twenty-five. So that's essentially an even split, but still. That's crazy to me. However, you look at Fabio Fognini's 17 and 17 career on grass. I mean, it's not like he's done anything in particular that makes you think, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? He should definitely be the favorite. Yeah. That being said, I, I think we've seen Francis, what, twice so far this year on grass, and he lost first round to Mahout. Then he beat Sosa and lost second right. round to Thompson in the Netherlands, which the loss to Thompson isn't that bad. But, I mean, neither guy comes in with much of a body of work on this surface. I, I guess I like Francis because, again, three out of five sets, I just feel like when you can make a match physical, that's always going to benefit him. But at the same time, like, ugh, I just, like, him hitting a forehand slice on grass, like, yeah. I'm cringing already. I know, man. That's why. I don't, I don't know. I For me, I have Fognini as a favorite. Not, not a huge favorite. Not an overwhelming favorite. But I do have him as a slight favorite. I'm hoping that I just put the jinx on it and Francis comes out and rolls him <laughs> in straight sets so that I can be happy. But I don't know, man. Hopefully, Francis, just just, just shut me up, man. Just prove me wrong and just roll him. I mean, yeah. come on, man. I'm down. I wanted Alex Zverev to come out against Yuri Vesely and be like, oh, you think you made the fourth round last year? Look what I learned to do. And, like, the exact opposite happened. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in. I'm all in for the Stokowiak reverse jinx. Uh, yep. The two matches I wanted to point out, Dominic Team versus Sam Queer. We haven't seen Team since his French Open final. I mean, we saw him a little bit, I think, at the Boodles, but that doesn't count. Uh, Query, obviously, a former semifinalist here before, or maybe a quarterfinalist, uh, but we know what he's capable. He makes the final of grass last week. Just an interesting matchup. I feel like I would not want to play Sam Query for my first match on no. the surface of the year. Yeah, that's no fun. But then the matchup, non-American matchup, I should say, I may be looking forward to most tomorrow out of any match being played. Andre Rublev against Christian Guerin. Two next-gen players. Again, Christian Guerin, we saw what he did during the clay season. I believe he's top 35 right now in the ATP race to London. A testament to the season he's had. Versus an Andre Rublev who has made an, you know, a Grand Slam quarterfinal at the U.S. Open, what was it, two years ago? Yeah. Um, who's coming back from injury. But if you have seen him play tennis, you know the weapons at his disposal. Good luck tracking down that forehand on a surface <laughs> like grass. And look, you know, I, I've watched Christian Guerin play obviously he a guy known for his success on the clay thus far in his career what one real successful season at the ATP level uh but I like his serve I like the weapons he has available for himself but I don't know what patterns he's going to turn to I feel like Rublev will have a lot of chances to be the aggressor and just you don't want to be the one playing defense on grass oh no definitely not I mean I I think this match is is interesting. I'm just, I'm just not quite as excited like 
to me, Rublev, we have we haven't seen Rublev get back to his form yet, really. Sure. I mean, there could I, I be just, over seventy five unforced errors in this. Yeah, match. and that's kind of what I'm worried about, man. Yeah, like when the, I, I this one, I noticed it when the draw came out. I was like, hmm, that's interesting, but I didn't get all that hyped about it because. I just feel like I don't know if both players uh, and mainly Rublev is in the greatest form right now. I mean, maybe like a year from now or two years from now, we're talking about this matchup and it's going to be phenomenal and I'll just, I'll be ready for it. But out of all those other ones, I mean, I, I would tune into this one, but at this time under these circumstances, I don't know if we're going to get the thriller that we would have hoped for, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And look, well, there's going to be so much tennis tomorrow. I'm sure something will be thrilling. So, if oh, that yeah. Match, yeah, if that match falls a little bit short, if it becomes an air festival, as I mentioned, there's 63 other matches to turn <laughs> to throughout the day. But with that being said, last thing I want to do with you, Maddie, and we can make it quick. I want to play a quick game I played last night with Matt. Uh, I'm going to give to you, throw out some scenarios to you. I want you to tell me if it's possible or if you think, Alex, you're f-ing crazy. Does that sound good? Yep, let's do it. All right, West off. Uh, give me some sort of sound effect, please. I feel like at this point I would like a, you know some sort of sound effect to wake everyone up. All right, first question to you, Mac, uh, Maddie. We kind of talked a bit about this already, but possible or crazy? Francis Tiafo beats Fabio Fognini tomorrow. Oh, very possible. I, I definitely think it's possible. And you said that in Vegas, the odds are they they actually have Francis as a slight favorite. So yeah, yeah no, it's definitely possible. I just I think it's going to be really tough. I mean, I to me, I have Fabio as a slight favorite in that match. But I mean, I will not be shocked one bit if Francis comes out, plays as well, you know, the best match he's played on grass this year, and beats him. Sure. All right. Well, I'm going to get, uh, and again, we talked about that one already. So I'm going to get progressively bolder as we go on. Next one to you. Dan Evans, who has won two challengers on grass so far this year, will beat Federico Del Bonis, then beat the winner of James Ward and Nicholas Bastelishvili to make the third round of Wimbledon. I, I, I think that's very possible. I, I like his chances to actually do that. I mean, Dan Evans on grass, man, is a tricky customer. He's at mm-hmm. home. This is Wimbledon. It's in Britain. He's going to have fans, and I like his game on this surface. Del Bonis is much more of a clay quarter. And then, I, you know, Ward and Basilashvili, man, I mean, those in the second round, if you're Dan Evans, you got to be licking your chops for an opportunity to play one of those guys in the second round to make the third round. For me, very possible. Completely agree with you. So we can move on. Denis Shapovalov, who is the seed in his region, will beat Ricardis Barankis and then beat the winner of Sanga and Tomic to reach the third round. I, I think it's very possible. I definitely think he gets past Barankis. What what gives me pause on this one is if he matches up with Sanga in the mm-hmm. second round. I think who he it, beat at the U.S. Open though a couple he, years he ago, did, right? He did, but this is grass, and I That's don't true. think Dennis is not as good on grass as he is on the hard court. So that match would would definitely give me some pause. Um, but it's possible. I mean, if it's if it's Tomich, then I, I'm giving him the win. There there's no way that he's losing to Tomich. Um, I'm just I'll call that now. So no, I I think it's possible. But if we do see that matchup with Sanga in the second, I don't know. That that yeah. could that could be the end of it. Now we're getting into the fun territory. I can already tell. All right, my next one for you, and we're almost done, I promise. The winner of Rublev Garin will beat the winner of Team Query. Uh, you're crazy. 
You're, <laughs> you're crazy. That's not happening. No. I don't even get an effing crazy. I think there's one that I'm going to get an F-bomb out of you. But <sighs> I feel like, why? Like, why does Dominic team on grass deserve the benefit of the doubt over a... Uh, I, mean, I, I think Sam Query's right. yeah. going to beat Dominic team. Oh, and then you think he would beat the next person no matter what. That's correct. See, that's my type of theory. Now we're talking. Now we're in the ball game. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Now you get the game. Um, yeah, if that's your philosophy there, I'm down with it. Don't need to push you any further. Um, all right, net last two, and I promise these are bold. Taylor Fritz will make the fourth round at Wimbledon. Now, before you answer, here's what he would have to do. He'd have to beat Burdich. Then he'd have to beat the seed in his region, which is the winner of Struff and Elbat. Then he would have to beat whoever emerges out of the foursome of Isner, Kasper Ruud, Mikhail Kukushkin, and Paolo Andohar. Possible or Alex, you're effing crazy? It, it is possible. It is I definitely agree. possible. With, I agree. With, with his form, the way that he's looked, if he can keep that form, I, I could easily see that happening. But... Look, it's going to be tough, right? I mean, to win three rounds, no matter what, in any slam is a huge, huge task. But I, I kind of like his matchups in all of those matches if if he's not fatigued. Like, what I'm worried about is that he's going to run out of gas. Sure. And that's, sure that, what, you know, yeah, like... But- Unlike his, unlike the other players, he got that extra day of rest, and that could be you know, yeah. quite significant. He's young. A lot of these guys, big hitters. I, I, I know the way to beat Fritz. I feel like you hit him off the court, you make it a physical match, and he's in trouble. But I feel like these sort of quick points he'll be playing against these other guys would benefit him. The other thing, given that his big seat is Isner, Isner coming back from his first tournament since he had you know foot surgery, right. repair, whatever happened in Miami. Now Isner also has semifinal points to defend, um, you know, uh, coming after last year. And I think for Isner, I think if he makes the third round, that's where Fritz gets in trouble because if Isner would have won his first two matches, I think right. that's the sort of confidence he needs. But I'm not sure Isner's going to make it. And at that point, yeah, there's no reason, you know, Fritz Struff, you're like you're flipping a coin. Yeah, Struff. I mean, if he does, if he plays Struff in that second round, ooh, I'm going to want to watch that. I mean, that's that's tough. But look, I mean, there's no reason why Taylor Fritz, with the form that he's been in, can't win that match. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's... I think it's possible. I just I don't know if it's I don't know if I'd say it's probable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's it fine. is. But, but again, it is possible. But I'm not. Cra- but I'm not crazy. No, no, you're not. Well, I am, but not for that. Well, right, not for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this one I know what you're gonna say. Yep. Uh, but I'm gonna throw it <laughs> at you anyway. The winner of Jordan Thompson, Nick Kyrgios, will beat Rafa in the second round. You're crazy. What are you Look, talking about? I want to put on the record that it's a possibility. You're telling me I feel like the one person or maybe the two people who you can guarantee maximum effort from Nick Kyrgios <laughs> is when he's playing a fellow countryman because now there's pride on the line or maybe not. And when you're playing Rafa Nadal, who we yeah. saw him beat earlier this year in Acapulco. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no question about it. I just I... – That's why I say, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you can't tell me crazy. Like it's possible. Yeah. Isn't there a world where that happens? We saw, you know, Zero yeah. Tsitsipas lose today. It's possible. Yeah, it, it is, but it's it's not happening. <laughs> so you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
that seems like a perfect place to wrap up. Well, then, any final thoughts on uh, day one previewing day two? Oh, man. I, I don't even know, man. I think we covered pretty much everything we could have. It's, I mean, look, this was just day one. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm, I'm going to make it these next two weeks. I man. swear, like, part of the reason I don't make outlines anymore is because I then feel pressure to talk about everything on the outline because it's like, otherwise, it's a waste of time. Why make it? Um, but it's like for Wimbledon, day one, day two, day three, day four, you're like, I need an outline. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. So like there's so much to discuss. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm just – I feel like summer slams are that much better. Yeah. Oh, no question. They, yeah, they, they definitely are. I mean it's Wimbledon, man. Like it's as good as it gets. Just wait till the queen pops out, right? Then you know we're in heaven. But speaking of queen, I got to give a shout out to our kings of production, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, who seriously have a fuck of an editing job to do all tournament long and have been killing it. And you know, these mini breaks, this one's like an hour 20. Uh, so obviously that's a ton of editing on their part. So huge shout out to them. If you've missed anything and want to be perfectly caught up as you're watching this Wimbledon, make sure to check out our website, crackedrackets.com. You've so much great content on there. All of our podcasts, this podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast, the mini break, what the deuce, excellent written contact from Matt, uh, written work from Maddie and the team, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, like, rate, subscribe, review, all of our stuff we would really appreciate. And again, it's Wimbledon. You don't want to miss out. This is one of the premier moments of our season. Don't be the person who shows up at the barber shop when they're talking, oh, I think Federer's going down this year, and you don't know what they're doing. Federer? Who's Federer? Uh, you, know, you don't want to be that person, so definitely give those all a listen. But with that being said, again, a huge thank you to my co-host and you know tomorrow's Wednesday co-host, Matt Stokowiak, for joining me today. Maddie. I'm jealous that I'm not going to get to talk tomorrow, but thank you as always. Absolutely, man. This uh, it was a blast, and I feel like we'll, we'll be back on here pretty shortly. Will Jamie yell at you for today's podcast length? Yes or no? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, that with that being said, for my wonderful co-host Matt Stokowiak, for our super producers Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, and for our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your soon-to-be yelled at host, Alex Gruskin. <laughs> Maddie, what do we tell our fans? That's a break. And we hope you enjoy day two of Wimbledon. We will talk to you all tomorrow, everyone. Thank you.